This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney. So welcome to another exciting episode of the Ultimate Global Podcast. Um, and in this episode, uh, we have joined by we have been joined by Mangla. Mangla is the managing director of Payments uh, Consulting Network, uh, and Mangla has is having over thirty years of experience in the financial services and payment industries sector. And he has been working on a very interesting uh, idea. Um, I interacted with Mangla for I think about. Uh, one or two months ago, and I really wanted him to be a part of this podcast session because uh, his conversations were very insightful, um, and I just loved to have uh, some fresh conversations with people like Mangla, who who always have a lot of ideas, and they also know how to implement those ideas. So maybe to start off with, before we dig a bit deeper into the topic, Mangla, would you like to introduce uh, yourself uh, to our audience and? Tell a bit about Payments Consulting Network. Sure. So um, I'm the, the founder and managing director. Um, so I established Payments Consulting Network nine years ago. Um, and prior to that, I've worked in consulting firms, but also in corporate strategy roles. My original background was actually accounting and finance, but um, about 20 plus years ago, I moved, you know, did an MBA and used that as a means to move into more strategy type roles. So this is my first business as well. So um, first foray into running a small business, being an entrepreneur. Um, So our business has, um, in terms of what we do, um, I run a network of payments industry consultants around the globe. So we've got over 20 experienced consultants um, in Asia Pacific, in North America, in Europe, and we've just had our first consultant start in South Africa as well. So now we can add another continent to the list. Um, And we're unusual in that we've been a virtual remote team since the beginning. So we don't have offices. And so long before um, COVID got everybody into, you know, remote working and hybrid working, that was our model. Um, and our clients like it as well. So our value proposition is that we are industry experts. So our team has, you know, 15 to 40 years experience generally. Um, and that sometimes means, you know, we don't necessarily always have an expert in your city. Um, so our clients are used to, you know, I, was, I just came out from a client kickoff workshop and we had um, two guys in the UK, someone based in Melbourne, um, supporting this client in Sydney. Um, and, you know, two of us were in the office, everybody else was remote. So that's our model. Um, you know, we also, so our clients for that business are financial institutions. So eight of, sorry, nine of the top 10 FIs we've done projects for, two of the three card schemes, the independent processes, payments technology companies. And four years ago, I set up another business called Now Merchant Advisory that supports retailers, hospitality businesses, not-for-profits, reduce their cost of payments and also improve their customer experience when they're accepting payments or donations. So that's the business in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty interesting. Um, And congratulations to you on the way your business is expanding so fast, not only within one continent, but across continents. 
I would also like to uh, understand from you this thing, uh, coming back to the topic for today, that is um, how building in a giving pledge has delivered purpose, impact, and profit. Now, a lot of businesses uh, uh, run for profit. Uh, some of the businesses are purpose-driven, and the ones who are purpose-driven have got a good story. And these, uh, in these times, I think uh, your customers not only get attracted to you because of your product, because of your features, but they also get attracted to how you sell it. What's your story? Is there a purpose behind what you are doing? So how would you describe what you are doing in terms of giving pledge? And how is that? how has that delivered purpose and impact? Yeah, so it wasn't something we were actually public about for a long time. Um, in fact, so when I was changing careers, um, I often wanted to do something that was giving back to the community. And I did look at, do I try and get a job in the not-for-profit sector? And I found it didn't really have jobs that I had experienced where I could bring value. Um, so I decided to take a, a different approach, which I now know is effective altruism, which is I focused on work that I enjoyed where my skills were valued and where I could earn a decent income, which was strategy consulting, and then use those earnings to then give back to charity. So that, that was the philosophy. And it's also based on the view that I felt, you know, I'm lucky to live in Australia, lucky that my parents brought us out here when I was quite young. We had a good education. We came from a very loving family. Um, and so, you know, I'm healthy, um, was able to do well in, in school, university, and then in the work environment as well. Um, so I feel very fortunate and I'm of you, I only need so much. I'm not someone for having the latest car. I'm happy to stick with the car and get, as long as it gets me from A to B. Um, and I don't need to constantly keep upgrading my lifestyle. Um, so I decided this, once I got to a certain income, I thought, well, that's all I really need. And anything above that, I can then give away to help others, right? Um, so that was the... Uh, the philosophy and then when I set up the business it was always that any profit that I could make out of the business after you know paying myself a living wage I could then put back into charity um, and so I set up a, and because I'm doing consulting consulting goes up and down so sometimes you have very good years other times you know you're struggling to find work um, so what I did was I set up a, a giving fund with the Australian Philanthropic Services Foundation. And that allows me when we are making profit that I can just put that excess into the giving fund. Um, and but constantly give an increasing amount per year to the charities I support. So some years, you know, it's lean years and consulting. Um, and so there's nothing going into the giving fund, but I'm still able to draw down on the giving fund to, to support the charities. Um, so it wasn't something I, we publicised. We did, you know, we had a page on our website saying, hey, you know, we have a giving fund and this is what we do. Um, but it was never part of our vision statement. You would never see it coming to our, our front page. It was never included in any of our proposals. Um, but that changed last year. I got invited to do a speech at one of, you know, I um, was doing a scholarship at UTS and they were launching a new partnership um, 
and they asked me to come in and do one of the keynote, one of four keynote presentations around my giving journey, uh, around the mentoring that I do as well. And so that was probably the first time I've spoken publicly outside of, you know, close, close family, friends and my, and my work colleagues. So when people join our network of consultants as part of the onboarding process, they know that one of the reasons I run our consulting business is to fund the giving fund. Uh, fund. So they know that when joining, but it was not something we publicly made out to or told our clients. But anyway, coming back to that presentation, what I've, it was very uncomfortable talking about it publicly. Um, but at the end of that, and several people came up to me and said, you know, they were inspired by what I'd said and what I was doing. And then they, it was inspiring them to then act on their thoughts and, you know, action their what they wanted to do uh, around giving. Um, and that, I guess, um, Set, gave me them, made me realise that by talking about it publicly, um, you are then inspiring change in others. And so, if I can change one person to do what I do, then I've doubled my impact. So I'm looking at it very differently now. It's not just about what my business can do in terms of the earnings that we make that we can then fund charities. It's also how many other people can I inspire to do the same. Um, and one of the things I've struggled with sometimes is finding other businesses or other people that thought the same way I did. And so, um, apart from being more public about it, we changed, updated our vision statement. So it actually reflected what we were doing, which was running a consulting business to fund charities. Um, and so we made that public and now it's part of our proposals. We actually say, this is how much we've given over the last you know nine years um we joined pledge one percent um for two reasons you know pledge one percent you can give one percent of profit one percent of time one percent of product or one percent of equity so we were signing up for one percent of profit i mean the reality is we actually give three percent of revenue so you know we do more than that we probably are already giving one percent of time because we donate a lot of time through mentoring through you know a couple of organisations like, as you know, Opportunities Australia, we gave some time to help with marketing. With Pledge 1%, we give our time to help them expand Pledge 1% in, in Australia. Um, but the other thing I got out of joining Pledge 1% was being part of a community, you know, I call it a tribe where I don't have to explain and justify why we do what we do. Yeah. And instead of having to justify it, we can just talk about how do we work together to have a bigger impact. And so it's a much easier conversation. Um, so that's, and a couple of the things I've found um, through being more public is our team is a lot more engaged around the purpose as well. So before it was just my thing and now, you know, we've got people attending some charity events um, and getting a lot of enjoyment out of it because they see it as this is what their business is doing. Um, and so they're feeling part of that, you know, they're contributing their time that we're providing to organisations and they're getting a lot of value out of the fact that they are helping these organisations. You know, we've opened up our social media channels and our newsletter to allow, you know, we 
we operate two brands and we allow you know a charity per brand per month to promote something on on our on our social media so we're trying to do lots of little things in terms of leveraging our network um, and we get to see lots of different things through our consulting business we're working with bigger charities as well supporting them around payments optimization all the little things that we learn we're yeah. now trying to make available more broadly i think one of the things that i really want to understand from you mangala because this question was not only framed towards your company but you know what kind of lesson do you think other young entrepreneurs young ceos who are forming something of their own who are starting their own ventures how important do you think corporate social responsibility plays a major role in kind of developing and shaping um, the structure of your business because as i said before that nowadays the customers not only look at what features you have what services you offer but they also look at what's your story how did you come up with that product how did you come up with that idea or is there any um, is there any impact that you are trying to create like we know about humanitics uh, it's an event organizing company uh, competing with events bright and they are they are giving a portion of their uh, income and revenue towards uh, a charity um similarly you are you know you're also giving a portion of your revenue towards this kind of thing um do you think that uh the organizations and the new founders should kind of take that as a part of their strategy building yeah look i, I think they should be thinking about it and it's one of the reasons we're going out there talking about pledge 1% at startup hubs and it's for lots of reasons is because you know setting up a, your own business it's a lot of hours it's a lot of work you've got to be passionate about what you do and having a, another purpose around it adds to that passion so it gives you a reason to get out of bed and do what you do um and so i think it you know i i follow the energy so if something makes me feel good i try and do more of that and you know i do a lot of volunteering now and you know people in the team people you know people in in business say how do you make time to do all that you know you're giving up quite a lot of your time and i say but it makes me feel good and so by doing that what and i because i prioritize that time i then have to do other aspects of my business better i have to we have to focus more on automation we have to focus more on you know i have to focus more on delegating people making sure we have the right staff and processes in place so we can do more with less and i can do more with less time so that i can still devote that so you find um your thinking changes for the better i think i'm much more creative because i'm not focused on how much money can i make i'm focused on what problems can i solve how much how can i give more away so that's what i focus on and i think when you're not thinking about yourself you end up just being a lot more creative and a lot more collaborative um there are no limits when you're talking about collaboration um and i just yeah i just find i've had those benefits since we started being more public about it i've also noticed our staff feel a lot much better about the organization I know that a couple of recent consultants that have joined us they were given an opportunity to go to another firm that also works in our industry and they mentioned there were two things 
they liked about our organization and why they came um, to join us instead. And, you know, one of them was our flexible working arrangements. We don't need anyone to be in office. You can work from anywhere. And so that was important for them. But also to the, the giving side, how much we do for the community. And that ethos we build into how we treat clients as well. So I always say to you know our consultants, we can't on one side be giving money to charity and trying to do the right thing. And on the other side, not try and always be doing the right thing by the clients and by the industry. So, so we need to use that same philosophy in how we deal with everybody that we interact with, that we are always trying to do the right thing. And I think that approach, people like being part of organisations that are trying to do the right thing. And I do believe that we get clients working with us consistently because they just like how we are as people and how we operate. So I think as founders, there's, you know, often you focus on making money, but if you open your mind up a little bit and think about purpose, you get a whole stack of benefits that then do lead to making more money, um, but they also just make you feel better. <laughs> um, and that's, I think, enjoying life is a very important aspect of running a business as well. Absolutely. Um, and I think this message kind of should go from the top management to the employees. And that's how it kind of uh, has a ripple effect amongst the customers as well. When you are chatting with your customers, when you're interacting with them through the social media platforms or through telephonic conversations or in-person meetings, that's kind of has a direct, direct impact on how they perceive your business and how they look into your business. One of the interesting elements that I want to discuss with you that when I met you before, um, we had this conversation on the art of saying no. Now we're talking about a lot of different ideas here um, and we want to implement different strategies. But I guess you also mentioned about this thing that there is an art of saying a no to some things in life which you don't want to prioritize. Uh, you can have 20 things in mind that you want to work on, but you know that you've got 24 hours in a day. So I can't work on these 20 things, but what is the most important thing I can work on, followed by the second most important thing, followed by the third most important thing. And these are the two or three things that I'm going to focus on. So I would like to highlight you on this part because I really um, uh, like that point that you raised before when I met you in person. And I think that a lot of people uh, know the art of saying a yes, but um, fail to understand the art of saying a no as well. Well, I think um, the way I've been able to understand how to say no is I understand what I'm trying to do and where I'm headed. So, and I also understand the value of my time and all the things I'm trying to do. And so, because I do give away a lot of my time um, and I feel my time is my most precious commodity uh, because you can't earn more time and you can't save time um, and you can't get it back <laughs> once you've given it. So I'm very conscious of how that time is spent. Um, and so when someone asks something of me and I'm very, I do think about, you know, should I be doing that? So I, I, there's a certain amount of time I, I do allocate to learning 
So, um, you know, I use Calendly um, to allow people to book time in my diary. Um, and I connect with lots of people on LinkedIn. But for me, that's my learning time. So when I connect with someone on LinkedIn, for me, it's an opportunity to, to learn a little bit more about what they're sharing and be across what they're doing. Some of those people will then reach out to have a conversation. I always say yes, happy to catch up for a half hour conversation. And I will have four or five conversations each week with different people I haven't met before. And I get to learn about their organization, get to understand their insights. I'll learn so much, you know, usually then I'll ask for their deck. So I've got a little bit more detail because we don't get to cover everything in half an hour. Um, but for me, I classify that as um, learning time as well. But where I do say no is when people are trying to take us on a path that doesn't fit with who we're about as an organization. So, you know, we had a, we we're talking with one organization a couple of weeks ago about different partnership opportunities and they, they suggested a few options and it all on the face of it looked very attractive. Um, but then I went back to them and said, look, I don't think you're trying to do good things. We're trying to do good things, but the end results of what we're trying to do here under this arrangement doesn't actually end up being good for the end customer. And so I don't think we should be doing this. And and they then realised, yeah, you're right. There's a whole stack of unintended consequences around the way we structured something. But by saying no, that doesn't make sense. It then got us thinking around a whole lot of other different ways. And now we're going down two different paths, which we think will have a really positive impact. Um, so yeah, I've learned to say no when people want too much of my time, um, or when I think it's it's not fitting with who we are as an organisation. And I think unless you've got a framework to go back on, it's very easy to say yes all the time because you've got no reason to say no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that's an art that one should learn over a period of time if they haven't. Um, for me, it's still, it's still a learning curve for me. I'm very good in saying a yes. I'm partially good in saying a no at this point of time. I'm, I'm going to admit that fact that I'm I'm not an expert in saying a no at this point of time, but I'm, I'm learning that art. Um, and I think that over a period of time, as in how you gain more experience by talking to more people, by understanding what you are exactly passionate about and by exactly linking that out to um, how you can create an impact in everyone's life on a day to day basis. Um, I think then you start figuring out what is good for you, what is not good for you um, and where you should be devoting more time towards. Um, one last question before we end today's podcast, uh, Mangla is uh, on the special series of episodes that we are running for the CEOs, founders and co-founders. Um, I think you must be the seventh or eighth uh, in that round. And we have asked one question almost in every episode to all the CEOs that we have invited to this podcast. The question has been, what would you prioritize more in terms of building your overall uh, business uh, and you can rank it in either ways or you can put them in the same rank so the three things that i'm talking about is idea team and strategy a lot of the people i have asked ceos mostly they will say team some of them will say i think so did you I'll say what's that what, theme idea team and strategy yeah your team and your strategy so what would you be ranking at number one, number two, or number three? Do you have any ranking? Or do you think that 
all of them are equally important when you are forming a business from scratch or once you have built it up to a certain level. Uh, I think they're, I think strategy and team, I think they're all important. Like you need to have an idea in terms of, so when I set up my business, I had, had an idea in terms of what I wanted to do. Um, I then had to convince the team to be interested in supporting me on that idea. And then we had to have a strategy around how do we implement it and make it happen. I couldn't have, if I didn't have the idea, I didn't need the, the, the team or this, or the strategy. And if I didn't have the team, didn't matter what I thought of, I couldn't do everything that we do today on my own. Um, and I could have the first two, but unless you've got a strategy on how to implement it, it just, you know, every team can have a talk fest and do nothing. Right. So <laughs> I would say you need all of them. I don't necessarily think any one thing is more important than the other. Yeah. But from your experience, have you seen, um, anything working very well for you? Uh, if investing more in teams work well for you, invest, investing more time in strategizing worked well for you? Uh, look. In terms, we probably focus more on ideas and I come from a strategy background. So putting a strategy together is very easy for me. I don't have to have it all documented. I know what we're doing and I know when we're doing it and I'm just communicating it to the team as we're delivering it. Um, I spend a lot of time on the team, catching up with people one-on-one -on -one constantly. Um, one, it's to understand what motivates them, understand what they want to get out of what we're doing. Um, so I'm making sure that they're constantly happy with what they're doing, making sure they understand my values and what we're trying to achieve and the plan and where they fit into that. Um, so the team is really important. I have a lot of conversations every day with people across my team. Um, and I encourage them to have conversations with each other for the same um, reason. And I love ideas, so I'm always coming up with lots of ideas and the team of the who helped me execute it. <laughs> um, you can't deliver everything on your own, so you have to have a really good team to be able to execute. Absolutely. And I think we have got different kind of answers. There is no right or wrong answers to that. I feel that every uh, founder has got a different story and a different way of looking at it. And it also depends on the backgrounds that they're coming from. For example, you're coming from a strategy background. That's why it's very easy for you to look into that. For somebody else, it can be a different story, depending upon uh, what's their background and what, what are they trying to achieve out of their business. Uh, I think uh, one of the community managers joined it from Fishburners, the Sydney startup hub. Um, she, she told that most of the founders which are working there are like one or two people. So they don't have a team to focus on. So their focus is primarily to just build their idea and focus on setting the right strategies before they have the team coming up. So I guess it's just you don't about... Have, you don't have to have your own team to have a team. Though. So I've been able to get a lot of industry-wide projects off the ground um, by explain to people a strategy and a vision around what we were trying to achieve and explain to them where they needed, where I would hope that they would join in and contribute. And so you don't have to have a massive team if you're able to convince others around where you're headed and how they'll all benefit from it.
um, I've only I've only just hired my first employee, um, and I've been going for nine years because I use a lot of people on a contract basis as well as associates within within our organisation. They all feel part of our organisation, um, so I, I think it's just how much you invest your time in helping people. Um, you can create a team out of anything. <laughs> Um, if you're willing to invest the time and building the relationships, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but thank you so much, Mangla. Really appreciate your time today. Um, and by the way, for the first time, uh, we are recording this uh, podcast. Both of us are sitting at the same place, um, just a few rooms apart at the Work Club Global from Barangaroo in Sydney. But it has been a great time discussing with you, Mangla. And I hope to see you again in this podcast uh, with some other topic. This is an ultimate global podcast. Hello, and welcome to our special weekly podcast on trending international and social affairs. You're listening to Saurabh Kora and George Mavros from Sydney.